0: G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost sixty kilograms or one hundred and thirty-two pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about. What are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle? In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway, enjoy the show. G'day welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 102. And just before I get to today's exciting guest, I just wanted to extend season's greetings and wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I hope 2022 is the best year for you all yet. Also, folks, I'd just like to thank the listeners out there who've been listening to the podcast it's been a fantastic year. We've had some very inspiring and amazing people. So thank you for listening in each week. Also to those that have been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, about my own story. Now, I've had messages of support from right around the world and feedback. Thank you so much. Uh, that means the world to me. Okay, let's get to today's guest. And we're going to be speaking with the very inspiring Diana Stevens from Manitoba in Canada. And Diana is a mother of two teenage girls and she's been married to her husband for 19 years. And Diana's been a registered nurse for 25 years, and she works part-time in a personal care home and has a foot care business. And Diana's had a few battles with weight most of her life, and in 2014, she overcame a major health scare in her life, which she tells us about in this podcast, which is truly remarkable and amazing. Anyway, here's Diana to tell us her journey, and welcome to the podcast. Oh, G'day Diana and welcome to the Fasting Highway and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Graham.
0: It's great to have you here all the way there from Manitoba in Canada and I guess you're nice and chilly there and we're not lovely and warm down under so we're bipolar opposites. But Diana, for those people out there that may not know you, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a bit of your backstory and problems you had with health and weight in your life and what sort of led you to finding intermittent fasting?
1: Well, I've struggled all of my life, basically, with being the overweight child, and I was tall, and I was, you know, pudgy, and it's kind of been just something I've had an issue with all the way along, and of course, I had babies, and was on maternity leaves, and um, the weight just kind of kept piling on, Um, and my job is a physical job, being a nurse, so I spend a lot of time standing on concrete floors and, you know, walking the halls and things like that. And my body was telling me that, you know, I had so many aches and pains and, you know, my feet hurt, my back hurt, that sort of thing. Um, I knew that it was time to make a change. Mind you, I have dropped weight before. I can take off the weight. It's trying to keep it off that is my struggle. It's, it's a lifelong journey for me, per se. Um, but with intermittent fasting, I've thought to myself, this is something that I can see myself doing long term, um, just because it's easy and, you know, doesn't require a lot of counting or, you know, anything like that. And um, yeah, it's, it's working for me so far. So how did you
0: actually find your way to intermittent fasting? How did you actually find out about it?
1: Um, well, actually, it was on Facebook. Um, Greg Curry, who is a fellow IFer, he lives just uh, 10, 15 minutes away from me here in Manitoba. He had posted his um, journey on his Facebook page. And um, I kind of messaged him from there and asked some questions and And that's kind of how I got started. And I was really inspired by his success with his weight loss.
0: Yeah, that's great. And a big shout out there to Greg and his family uh, up there in Manitoba. Greg's a great bloke. And we had Greg on the podcast, actually. He's a very inspiring fellow. But sort of when you started, how did you start and what was your protocol and why did you decide to do that?
1: Well, um, I started at, uh, 16 and eight, basically. Um, I was just having toast in the morning for breakfast with, you know, peanut butter and honey. And I thought, well, I think I'll just try and skip breakfast and see how it goes. And I mean, my stomach was doing a lot of growling and everything else, but I just decided that that was, you know, my stomach telling me that it was burning some fat. So, um... I just skipped those carbs and carried on with uh, eating lunch and supper. So my fasting times are from 7 p.m. until approximately noon the next day or 1 o'clock, depending on when I have my lunch. It's The weight started to come off, you know, a pound a week, a couple pounds a week. And um, yeah, I I decided to eat a little bit less bread increase my salad intake and no snacks and yeah it 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 works
0: yeah so just run us through your stats if you don't mind sharing them sort of when did you actually start the IF Bar program and also if you don't mind sharing what what weight you were at the start and uh, how that sort of progressed with the weight loss over the first sort of couple of months
1: So in June is when I started um, and I was at my heaviest at 252 pounds and I'm 5 foot 9 and like I said my body was just sore and tired and I had very little energy and uh, yeah so that's kind of where I started at and like I said I started losing a pound or two a week and yeah it it's made a difference a big difference. Did you get the
0: message of the clean fast straight away or is that something you've come to learn?
1: No, I actually stuck with the clean fast right from day one. Um, I've always been a water drinker, so it wasn't difficult for me to, you know, fill that space, fill that hungry tummy with water. Uh, I'm not much of a coffee or tea drinker. So, yeah, I just stuck to the, the water.
0: Yeah, so you made some changes to your dietary intake there you mentioned. Um, did that sort of progress over time where you sort of started seeking that high-quality food when you are eating window?
1: I um, gravitated more to the protein and more salads, like I said, less bread. Um, I didn't restrict myself a lot. And really up until this day, I don't find myself restricting myself in – what i'm eating um i'll still have ice cream occasionally i'll still have you know i'll go out to eat i'll have you know some fast food um i'm definitely eating less of that kind of stuff um you know say if i'm going out for an ice cream cone i'll order a small whereas before i'd order a medium and that kind of thing um but i haven't been really strict in my in my what i'm eating in the quality of my food um, but like I said, increasing the salads and the greens and less bread. Yeah, so you
0: mentioned there you started in June. We're into December now. So what's been your total sort of weight loss looking like at the moment, Diane?
1: Um, I am currently down 34 pounds, which um, these last two pounds I was quite excited about because I'd been on a plateau from the beginning of November. Um, I hadn't gained or lost anything uh, that whole time. And yeah, I just lost two pounds. I was on the scale the other day. And so I was pretty happy about that. I rode out that plateau and was able to, you know, keep sailing along. Um, I wasn't weighing every day or even my once a week weigh-ins changed every two weeks. So um, I didn't get discouraged and I was able to, you know, ride it out sort of thing and continue with the clean fasts and and I do a little bit of cardio as well. I go for a walk outside if the weather permits, which in ice and snow now in Manitoba, it's not very um feasible for, um it's very slippery and stuff like that. But I do have a walking video that I do in the house, so usually five or six days a week.
0: Wow! Tell us about that for people that are indoors and um, weatherbound and stuff. How does that work with the walking video?
1: Um, there are videos by Les- Leslie Sanson, and she has a lot of um, DVDs out there, and they're just you know basic steps that you can do in your living room. You don't need a whole lot of space, and it revs up your your cardio, revs up your heart rate, so you can burn some of that um, fat.
0: Yeah, there's always ways, isn't there? No matter what the weather is, we can usually do something, particularly if we've got some type of apparatus or just body exercises or something to keep moving. But we often talk about, well, before we do that, let's look at your window there, the 16 and 8. Have you continued that right through? Have you tried any other various practices or protocols?
1: Uh, No, it's been 16 and 8, basically. I just skip breakfast and I have two meals a day, lunch and supper. I don't have any snacks usually, Um, but I will, you know, extend my window the odd time if I want to have, you know, popcorn with the family or something one night and it's eight or nine o'clock at night, my window is supposed to close at 7 p.m. And I will do that. I will allow myself to, you know, enjoy life sort of thing. And then the secret is to get back on the, you know, the fasting window and, um close that window at the, the regular time, the next day sort of thing.
0: Have you been like a lot of us, a sort of lifelong dieter? Is there many, many other diets that you've tried in your life?
1: Um, I wouldn't say many, many other diets, but like I said, I've I've lost the weight before, uh, mostly through, you know, I think at one time I, found, I tried the shake diet, um, you know, substituting a meal or two with just shake that wasn't feasible. You know, I was still hungry. I was still, you know, looking for something to fill that void. And I'd always resort back to the old unhealthy lifestyle.
0: Yeah, like many of us did. And I guess that's the difference with fasting, isn't it? It's just sustainable. Well, that's the way I see it. And I find that, you know, diets do work and uh, they actually will get some weight off you if you stick to them and they are good diets. But the problem is, is like you said, you can't drink shakes every day for the rest of your life or, you know, you've got to have something that's actually sustainable and you can live with forever if you're going to do it That because fasting is a lifestyle change, isn't it? Do you feel like it's a lifestyle change for you rather than a diet?
1: Oh, absolutely. And like you said, but the shakes or something like that or protein bars, you eventually get tired of the taste, the texture, you know, kind of thing of that same thing day in and day out. Um but with you know, if you can, you know, eat your regular foods, your satisfying foods, your you know, healthy fats, your protein stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's right. Did you have any concerns when you first started, or any struggles along the way? Did you find anything difficult with intermittent fasting?
1: I find just I don't know if I've hit appetite correction yet. Um, I know in the mornings are my worst time, but well, that's, you know, the last three or four hours of my fast, um, you know, I hear my stomach growling and and I try and keep myself busy to, you know, think of something else. I know I'm not starving um, and I know my meal is not that far away. But yeah, I think that's the only struggle I've had is listening to my stomach growl because In the past, I was always, you know, a a three-meal-a-day person, um, you know, and breakfast was the most important meal of the day kind of thing. But um, I would have never seen myself able to, you know, skip a whole meal um, in my past. But this is working so well for me right now.
0: That breakfast is the most important meal of the day that was ingrained into so many of us, wasn't it? Right it sure around was. the world. We got that trashed into us all our lives. But the fact is that nobody's ever died from skipping breakfast, and that's the truth. But let's also talk now about the what we call the non-scale victories, the health benefits that come with intermittent fasting. And there's so many, aren't they? I mean, I know that you're a nurse and you work in a, a care home facility and all the things that must make it so much easier in your job. You mentioned there, standing on your feet all day, walking around. It must be so much easier for you now.
1: It sure is. I noticed the difference in the first, say, five to ten pounds for sure. Um, I had plantar fasciitis, which is, you know, a a sore foot. Um, And the excess weight was a major cause of that. And it wasn't long before I was able to, you know, um, be able to walk and exercise and lose some weight and that pain went away. I had, you know, back pain. I'm a tall person. Um, I'm bending over wheelchairs a lot with the elderly, you know, doing treatments and things, eye drops, etc. cetera. Uh, I had lots of episodes of back pain. I got rid of that, um, gotten off my blood pressure medication, Um, which is a big deal for me. I had shortness of breath, even just sitting in a chair, just from the pressure of, you know, that large roll um, at my ribcage area that, you know, it just, it was a struggle. Going up and down stairs, I'd be quite winded just, you know, and I thought, this is, this is no good. Why am I doing this to myself? And what else? Um, You know, with this weight loss, I had jeans in my closet from many years ago that I kept and now I'm able to fit into them and there's no greater satisfaction than, you know, slipping into that pair of small jeans that you've been hanging on to. You know, just basically a much more positive mindset. I was, you know, when I was so heavy, I, I was my worst enemy in my thoughts and, you know, you'd pass by a mirror and, you know, you'd have nothing good to say internally about yourself or think about yourself. And now that has completely changed, which, you know, is so much healthier for a person to, you know, have some positive things to to say about yourself.
0: Yeah, makes a huge difference. And it's flipping that switch, isn't it? From, you know, sort of loathing ourselves and looking at that mirror image and saying, oh, you know, I look disgusting, I look this, I look that. And you won't look a mirror square in the face. Now, once you start doing that, you start talking to yourself more positively. And I always say to people, it's okay to love yourself first. It's not an egotistical thing. It's not a selfish thing. It's really, really important for your health to do that and wake up every day and be positive and say, you know what? I'm okay. I'm a good person. And you're a nurse in a care home. You're doing wonderful things here for people. I mean, those people are relying on you every single day. And you do such great work in our community. And we thank you for that. But the thing is, you've got to talk to yourself with a positive attitude. You've got to wake up every day and say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for my health. And the mental side of it is just so important, isn't it, Diana?
1: Oh, absolutely, one hundred and ten percent. And you know, if you're not um being kind to yourself, you can't give in return to your family or you know your clients. Your you know you can't give. Your tank is empty.
0: Yeah, and people notice your weight loss, obviously. And what's the support been like with friends, family, um, people that you're working with in the care home, all the patients, that sort of thing.
1: It's been really great. Um, You know, it took a while, probably after I lost 15, 20 pounds before anybody really noticed. But then, you know, people are worried about mentioning weight and especially, you know, to a female. The support has been great. Um, My husband, he's encouraging and stuff like that. But, you know, he's still the guy that will come and sit down beside me on the couch with a bag of potato chips or, you know that handful of cookies, he, he doesn't really get it because, well, for one thing, he's never had an issue with weight. And I'm able to delay, don't deny sort of thing. And I can have the, you know, a handful of chips the next day at lunchtime, say, or something like that. That's where inter- intermittent fasting is really working for me.
0: Yeah, good mindset there. And it's just your husband sitting next to you, chomping on those chips, that sort of thing. And you've developed that mindset where you say, you know what, I'm just going to have some of them later on in my window. That's cool. It's yep. like when you go to an event or something and you're fasting and people say, oh, I'd have some food. Look, at this great food. And I say, hey, look, that's really great food. Do you mind if I make up a plate and I take it home and I have it later? Or I just eat a little bit later in a day if you don't mind. And nobody ever says, you know, or they don't get offended. They just say, yeah, great. And they make you up a plate and you take it home and you have it in your window. So it is about not sort of denying every single thing in our lives because it is a lifestyle. And your husband there, do you think that, how did you feel when he was doing that at the time? How did you have, what was your mindset thinking of?
1: It was a little bit of a challenge, but like I said, um, I know he hasn't ever had an issue with weight or his family hasn't had weight issues Um, so I just kind of thought to myself, well, you know, he can do what he wants to do and I will just satisfy myself within my window.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to do it. And we've got to realize that not everybody does have a weight issue and not everybody has to fast and they have to live their lives and they don't have to sort of live their lives around us. We have to live our lives around ourselves and do us for, for ourselves. But, You know, when I always find when talking about support and people are negative, I always say to people, well, hey, you know, it's okay to be negative. It's okay to be sort of, you know, a bit thinking that we're crazy for doing this. Because I remember when I first heard about intermittent fasting, I thought to myself, what sort of lunatics eat once a day? Who does that? (laughs) Nobody ever eats once a day. I mean, I was a guy that was eating 35 times a day. The idea of eating once a day was just crazy. So just tell us about your sort of OMAD that you do, if you like. Is it more of a restaurant style where you'll open up with a snack and then maybe have a main and a dessert? How do you work that?
1: Um, Well, I do two meals a day, so I haven't graduated to one meal a day. I don't know if I ever see myself getting to that stage at this point, but um, generally at lunchtime I'll have a protein and a salad and you know sometimes fruit and yeah water to drink and then supper time it'll be much along the same lines if i do have some you know pasta or rice or that sort of thing which i live with you know two teenage girls so pasta and rice is kind of their go-to i would just have you know one small serving of of pasta and carry on with the vegetables and the protein.
0: Yeah, with the 16 and 8 protocol with the two meals a day, you're opening up there at lunchtime, and then you're fasting through to, to supper time. Do you find that period difficult after you've initially eaten, more so than in the mornings?
1: No, actually I don't. Um I feel quite satisfied between lunch and supper for sure. And yes, it's still that morning time. Where I'm, you know, I only have three or four hours left of my fast. That's where I find the most challenging part is, you know, with the stomach growling and things like that. And maybe it's what I've, you know, eaten the night before for supper. Who knows? I haven't quite figured that out yet. But if I keep myself busy and, you know, a lot of times I'm doing my workout in the morning, uh, which really helps to, you know forget about that stomach that's growling i mean i'm not lightheaded or dizzy or you know nauseous or anything like that so i know my body is is good without that food so yeah that's kind of how i've approached it or dealt with it
0: yeah i love that you're learning what your hunger signals are true hunger versus that sort of head hunger and I think that's really important for people out there to recognise that, that you've got to be able to sort of decipher between the two, because that mental hunger is when you think to yourself, oh man, I'm hungry, and you're really not, because you go and have a big glass of water or you get distracted, you go and talk to a friend, and it usually passes. But the problem is, is when you have that sort of, hunger where it won't go away. It's nagging you, it's nagging you, and you you don't feel all that great. And sometimes you do might feel a bit dizzy or something like that. Well, that's a time to listen to your body and open the window. So that's something for people out there to really understand the differences between hunger and instead hunger training, isn't it, Diana?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is.
0: Yeah, for sure. So with being a nurse and that, are you working shift work or do you just work standard day hours?
1: No, I work shift work. I work evenings during the week and days every other weekend. So I work part-time at the personal care home with the seniors. And I also have my own foot care business. So it's a nursing service and it's a mobile um, service that I provide. And yeah, it keeps me uh, fairly busy. But um, the, the personal care home work, I'm on my feet and walking the cement floors and the foot care business, I'm able to, you know, sit and, and visit with the clients and, you know, work away on their feet. And so it's kind of a nice balance, I find.
0: Yeah. And and feet are so important, aren't they, to us? And, you know, it's just like we have horses, right? And horses are the same, you know, we have a saying, you know, no feet, no horse. Your horse's feet have got to be spot on um, for doing uh, what they do. But, You know, it's, I know myself when I was heavy, I used to go to field days and I'd walk around in paddocks on farms, you know, for five, six hours at a time, looking at crops. And my feet would ache for days and days afterwards, Diana, it was horrible. And then when I've got the weight off, I mean, you might've read recently in the Fasting Highway Facebook group, I just did a really long hike and my feet were so great. And I was just thinking, Man, what does weight do to our feet? What does it do to our bones? What does it do to our joints? I mean, it's just so much better without all that weight on our body, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. You you can't believe how much stress is on your feet and legs, etc., from all that heavy weight. When you take a look at, you know, a dog food bag in the store or something and and try and grasp that, you know, you were carrying that around on your body, as fat. And it's just kind of mind boggling to think that we're asking so much of our you know, our body to carry this, that it's, it's just amazing. I was able to carry that much weight for that long.
0: Yeah, that's true. And um, I always say to people when they say to me, oh, Graham, but I've only lost 10 pounds. And I say, okay, go down to the supermarket or the big box stalls as, as they call them up there. But grab a 10 pound bag of potatoes and then walk around with it for half an hour. And you'll notice the difference. I mean, I know when I train for hikes, I fill up my backpack with weights and the difference is amazing. And people don't realize just even that small decrease in weights off your body each week makes such a massive change, Diana.
1: It absolutely does. It's it's quite amazing. And, you know, you have to hang on to those good feelings that you have when you've lost that weight and you're like, wow, this is, you know, a whole new world, basically. You know, I don't have these pains in my feet and, you know, I have more energy too. So, yeah, it's, it's something you don't realize until, you know, your body or your feet just start to give out and they say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is too much. There has to be a change.
0: Yeah. Are there things in your life that you're looking forward to now that you're getting the weight off that you couldn't do before, perhaps?
1: Um, doing more outdoor activities and having more energy with my teenage girls. Like, you know, they like to play softball and and things like that. So, you know, throwing the ball around, running around the bases, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, going to amusement parks where, you know, I was reaching that point or had reached that point of, you know, 250 pounds is the maximum um, weight allowed for quite a few things and especially amusement park rides and stuff like that. So, or even sitting in an airplane seat, you know, those seatbelts were getting pretty snug on, you know, somebody my size, but now I can't imagine what the feeling will be when you get to adjust that seatbelt by quite a bit
0: yeah it is freeing I can tell you that and I remember the first time I got onto a plane after I lost you know 132 pounds and I put my seat belt on I had about six inches of the belt hanging out and I remember I had tears running down my face sitting in the seat and people next to me or looking at me you were probably thinking that I was missing someone that I just left behind or something but it was just that emotional impact that just hit me and I just went wow that is amazing, and just how comfortable I felt in that seat. And every time i go to the movies or every time i go to a restaurant, I never had that worry of thinking, how am I going to fit in? Am I going to break that chair? You know, are these chairs going to hold my weight? You'd go to these restaurants and they'd have those flimsy little deck chair things, and you'd say, yeah, you know, have you got another chair? I don't think this chair's going to hold me. And it was so embarrassing. You talk about amusement rides. I remember going to Disneyland, standing there, And just looking at a number of rides, I'd gone all the way to Disneyland from Australia. I couldn't ride half the rides because I was above the limit. And I just couldn't fit into them. I couldn't get into the log boat. I was just simply too big. And now it's just so free and I can do all those things. I can go bungee jumping. I remember watching bungee jumping once. You know, sounds pretty crazy, jumping off a bridge with a rope tied to your leg. (laughs) But I thought, you know, I would love to do that. It looks so thrilling. And then I thought, wow, I can't because I'm over the weight limit. I went to get on a chopper once in Grand Canyon. And the guy said to me, oh, I'm sorry, uh, we can't take you, mate. You're too too heavy. You're over our weight limit. You know, we can't take you. And, and it's all these things that become so freeing, Diana. You know, you talked about the a- outdoor activities there. You live in one of the most gorgeous countries in the world where you can hike. You can do paddle boarding in the summer. You can do all sorts of things, snow skiing. It must be just a, a Pandora's box for you.
1: Yes, it certainly is. I look forward to, yes, absolutely more outdoor activities for sure. In
0: Manitoba there, um, in Canada, you mentioned Greg Curry, a fellow IFer. Uh, is intermittent fasting spoken of a bit in the mainstream or not really?
1: Um, Not really, not at this point, but... I've had, you know, probably six or eight people that have contacted me after posting on my personal Facebook page, you know, my success from June until present of 34 pounds now that I've lost. And I've just been, you know, private messaging them saying, you know, suggesting reading your book and saying, you know, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, if the time's right for you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I've had really good feedback from that.
0: Oh, thanks so much. And it must be great for you when those people are coming to you for that. And it is a spiraling thing. I remember I started and then all of a sudden now I'm doing this podcast. We're down to nearly 450,000 downloads of this podcast, 43 countries around the world. The Fasting Highway book you mentioned. Thank you to everyone in Canada that has been buying it there. I really appreciate it. Um, That's been sold and all over the world. and, And it's just getting that message out, isn't it? And that's why I started the podcast. That's why I wrote the book, because I thought that's the way I can share my message, because I could have just lost the weight and just gone away and just kept fasting and not really talked about it. But one of the things I thought, if I'm ever going to do anything in my life and I want to leave some type of legacy that helps others, then this is it. Because every time I see an obese person walking down the street now, it breaks my heart in two. And I can't go up to them and say, Hey, I see you're obese. Can I tell you about intermittent fasting? And I'm a tall, fit, healthy looking guy. They're going to look at me and just go, What would you know about being obese? And I've had obese people say that to me. You don't know anything about being obese. And so this is the way I do it. And I know that you'll probably go on the future there and share it. And speaking of passions, I'm looking at your shirt here on the video, the leukemia cancer. Tell us about your passion around that.
1: Well, um, in December 2014, I was diagnosed with leukemia. It was kind of uh, very much out of the blue. I had uh, a cough that would not go away. And they decided to run run some more blood work. And I was told, like, yeah, you are 60% full of leukemia cells and we need you in Winnipeg, which is you know two and a half hours from my house. we need you in Winnipeg as soon as possible at you know the major hospital there and yeah it kind of turned my world upside down I had a business I had a a job um a family and so I found myself landed in the hospital December seventeenth 2014 and yeah, my husband said, well, do you suppose we could take her home and bring her back for chemo to start after Christmas? And they said, no way, she has to stay here and start chemo tomorrow morning. So um, it was it was quite a challenging time in our world for my whole entire family. Um, I spent a month in hospital doing intensive chemo and my brother was tested to see if he was a a stem cell donor if he was a match and he found out he was so in april of 2015 um, he donated his stem cells to me and i have been doing very very well pretty much ever since that day he gave me his stem cells
0: wow that's amazing and I'm sure we all thank your brother, and what a lovely gesture! And,
1: uh, yeah, sorry, it
0: made me choke up a bit there. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. it's incredible. And so you're okay now?
1: I sure am. I'm, you know, back to work. Um, and like I said, I I lost thirty pounds approximately when I went through all that chemo and stuff. I was having to live away from home for five months. And my husband was a great support in that and spent time with me in Winnipeg because I couldn't leave um, the area of the hospital. So I'd lost 30 pounds. And, you know, as I began to feel better, I got off medications and things. I found food again, of course. Um, And yeah, I had the mentality since I fought cancer and won that you know life is really short and eat the cake and the pizza and the you know drink the soda and and live like you know you might not be here tomorrow but that mentality really caught up to me here and my body said you know what this is not working for you so you really need to make a change
0: yeah now you've got the mentality to be healthy and live longer and um, you're going to, it, it's not a case of you might not be here tomorrow. It's that you want to be here well into the future now. And it's I, funny, I actually picked in your sort of story coming up that you'd had some sort of trauma in your life and that you've overcome that. And now you have and you've applied that mentality and that mental strength to, on this journey. And I always say to people, you know, intermittent fasting is 99% mental. I mean, the actual process of it, of fasting, eating in a pattern of time, repeating the next day or whatever protocol you do is simple. I mean, there's nothing more simple than, than intermittent fasting, but that mental thing of not eating to that time, stopping when you're full, stopping when you're satisfied, like you said, still learning about that appetite correction, tweaking as you go learning about the science of what's happening to me, what's going on in my body, why am I doing this, finding your why. I mean, you just mentioned a huge why there to get healthy. And so speaking of the science, I mean, obviously you're a nurse. Is that something you delve into then?
1: No, I'm definitely behind the science aspect of, you know, your hormones and all that type of thing and what foods do to your body. Um, You know, Your body is such a fine balance of, you know, all the chemicals and electrolytes and everything that, you know, it's and what you're feeding yourself is definitely affecting your internal state.
0: Yeah, I agree 100 percent with you. And as far as I'm concerned with the science, the science is all about me. I need to know what's happening to me. And I do that by tweaking as I go. And I've done that the last four years. You know, I, I haven't, you know, delved into the science like some people do. They need to know every single nitty gritty. I mean, I've read things like the obesity code and that sort of thing. I understand the process of fasting and all of that. But when I'm talking to people, I say to them, "You've got to find what works for you. It's got to fit into your lifestyle." I'm curious with your shift work there as a nurse. We have a number of shift workers in our group, and we had a guy the other day. He said he's struggling with that shift work when he does that. How do you sort of work around that with your fasting on shift work?
1: Well, because I work evenings, I think that's sort of been my um, point where I was leaning towards the junk food. So I would get home, I would do my eight hour shift. So I would start at 3 p.m. and I'd be home at, you know, 11, 15 p.m., 11, 30 at night. And. I was just starving by that time because my supper hour was, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. And by that time, I was ready to eat. And of course, it wasn't fruits and vegetables that I was craving. Go figure. It was, you know, popcorn or chips or anything like that. So that was a big eye-opener for me because I didn't realize, you know, how much I relied on that soup bowl full of chips when I got home off my shift and that's like a not a very good time to be eating right before you're going to bed sort of thing and um so I was able to kind of let go of those chips with that mentality that you know what if I want some chips I can have a handful you know at lunch the next day or within my window um but as for fasting. um Yeah, I'm not really tempted. I thought, you know, because I'm working in a personal care home, the residents are having their meals and the food is cooking and that sort of thing. But it doesn't really seem to bother me then um, as much as, you know, sitting at home after my shift is done.
0: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And Sort of sometimes too, I guess, when you're seeing people eating and that sort of thing when you're on shift work, particularly in that environment, it must be a bit tricky at times. But I know I was just in hospital this week and I'm amazed in hospitals that they, they bring meals around, right? And i got a pretty good handle on what sugar is in food and all that sort of thing. And this is a hospital, right? This is one of our best hospitals in Western Australia here. They put the tray down in front of me and eventually I look at it and straight away I see 25 teaspoons of sugar on that tray. And I'm just going, wow, they're feeding people three times a day they're in hospital. That's like 75 teaspoons of sugar. That can't be great for you. So we've got some work to do on our nutrition and what we're giving people on these institutions, aren't we? Oh,
1: uh, 110%. I agree with you. Um, We used to have, you know, in the hospitals and personal care homes, we used to have home cooked meals, um, things like that, homemade soups. And now it's all processed packaged stuff you know if you can buy it in a can or whatever that is the way well that's the way society is in general not just you know the hospitals and the care home but when you go to the hospital you expect to be nourished and you know have appealing food presented to you um, rather than all this you know stuff that's pulled out of a package and heated up
0: yeah, it's pretty sad, all right, that's for sure. But what's your sort of hope for intermittent fasting in the future? I mean, being from the medical community and that sort of thing, where would you like to see it go down the track?
1: I think for myself that if I can get to a spot where, you know, I'm able to maintain, which I don't have a goal weight in mind, um, but if I can get to that spot in, you know, saying, Oh, this feels good to me. Um, yeah, I hope, like I said, that's going to be a challenge for me, the whole maintaining part, because like I said, I've lost weight before and it's just a struggle to be, you know, keeping it off for say the next four or five years down the road. So
0: it is a different mindset maintaining for sure. But what I can tell you is now being maintaining for two and a half years in a range of about two to four pounds, the tools of intermittent fasting will always have your back, right? And it's vigilance without obsession, maintenance. You can't sit there every day and freak out about it. You know, you are a bit more flexible. I mean, I do 16 and eight on the weekends now and I go down and have brunch with my wife and then I have a second meal later if I feel like it or I might have a light snack or something. And then during the week when I'm at work, I don't really care because I go to work and I fast at the office and then, you know, I do the same as what I sort of normally did before. So I'm doing like a 22 and two Monday to Friday. And then it's just that, if something comes up when there is an event, I don't sweat it or I go on vacation, that type of thing, or a holiday. I don't worry about it because I know I can use intermittent fasting to sort of control it. And I keep them with what's called a goal range. I don't have an ideal set weight where I have to be. Oh no, if I'm not so zero i I'm going to freak out the next day. Because our bodies fluctuate all the time, as you know. I mean, I'm sitting here, I just had two big glasses of water and a coffee. And I reckon if I go out and weigh myself now, I'll probably be, you know, maybe a kilo, two pounds heavier than what I was just an hour ago. And that's the way it works. And so I think it's really important, isn't it, Diana, to not sweat about that sort of stuff and holidays and vacations and all that sort of thing and just work it into our lifestyle because it is a lifestyle.
1: Oh, absolutely. 100%. I totally agree with that. Um, you want to be able to live your life. And, you know, IF is the way to you know, get back on track after you're, you know, like you said, on vacation. So you're enjoying life at the same time. You know that IF is there to, you know, keep you on the the straight path where you want to be sort of thing.
0: And I think it's that feeling of, of just feeling so well and so great with intermittent fasting and having that one clean fast a day, one worthy window, as I like to call it. Because I know that I just don't want to go back to the three meals a day and the snacks, even if I wanted to, because I just feel so well. And I know the odd occasion where I have had breakfast in the morning early um, for several reasons, and then I just haven't felt right for the rest of the day. And where I have that clean break of a, a nice, clean, fast overnight, whether it be 16 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours. But I think what happens over time with maintenance is you come, you, you become a more intuitive eater we sort of eat towards your true hunger signals. So it may be 16 hours one day, it may be 15 hours, it may be 22 hours the next day, it could be 24 hours, it depends. And I think that's where I'm heading to now, into that more intuitive type eating, because I'm really in tune with my body and it's weird. I weigh every day, right? But I I really don't have to because I can wake up in the morning or particularly when I go to bed at night and I can almost tell whether I'm heavier or lighter, just the way I feel. And when I touch my body, I know if I've blown up or, you know, particularly if I've eaten carbs. I mean, I'm a person that carbs doesn't like me. And you mentioned bread there before. Bread's been my nemesis my whole life. And I credit bread to being a huge part of my obesity issue because I used to eat a lot of it. So it's just finding out those things that are our trigger foods and doesn't don't work for us, getting them out of our system, bringing in something else that's more enjoyable and more sustainable and just living that healthy life, I think, Diane.
1: Oh, for sure. And like you said, it's understanding what your body's telling you, um, you know. And I don't have that need to shovel food in anymore. I've noticed that as well, you know. Um, and I haven't had that really uncomfortable feeling of being overfull or, you know, you just feel gross after that. Huge meal. I don't have that anymore. That might be the whole part of some appetite correction going on.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. And you mentioned there shoveling food, and that's so true. When I was obese, I used to shovel food. You know, I used to think my fork was a shovel, and um, I had no off button with it. And I never enjoyed food. To me, food was just volume, it was just something that I ate and ate and ate. And I had no off switch, I had no appetite correction. And then what fasting has actually done is it's taught me more about, you know, savoring food, slowing down, eating mindfully, and just enjoying that window preparation. It almost becomes like a theatrical sort of show. You go through all this process and you lay everything out and then you have it and you eat it really slowly and mindfully. And I always say to people, if you have trouble when your eating window opens and all you want to do is binge and eat, Then have something in the higher fat range. Have something like cheese or avocado or something. And then then just take a pause, sit back for a few minutes and let it sink in and, you know, think about it and just be more mindful and just slow it down. And it's that process of slowing down our eating, isn't it, Diana?
1: Oh, for sure. Like your body generally takes 20 minutes, is it, to, you know, feel that um, satisfied feeling? after eating a meal. So like you said, if you slow things down, and let your body speak to you, instead of just stuffing food in your face, that makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, it does indeed. But anyway, we're nearly out of time, Diana. But what I'd really love to get from you, if you were sitting there with a colleague or somebody you you, or a friend, and they were starting intermittent fasting, what kind of advice can you give them to get started, and any sort of words of wisdom?
1: In order to get started, started uh, the clean fast is the number one thing to master. I wouldn't worry about you know adjusting to sixteen and eight right away if that doesn't feel good for you. But most definitely, that clean fast is the most important part of IF, I think. Um, and yeah, just take it slow. Um, it it won't happen overnight. It's a process and something that you gradually work your way into and, you know, that way it might be a longer lasting um, tool for you rather than just jumping in, say, at 20 and 4 or something like that. Just, you know, take your time and and see what works for you.
0: Great advice. Thank you, Diana. It's been fantastic. And uh, thank you for joining me here today on the Fasting Highway. And I'd love you next time you see your brother. Give him a huge hug for me.
1: I sure will. Thanks so much, Graham. I really enjoyed this opportunity to share my story. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Graham. Bye.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Diana absolutely fantastic insight into your intermittent fasting journey. And as I said during the podcast, I just want to reach out and give your brother a big hug, because what he did for you was one of the most amazing things anybody can do for someone. And I think it's truly incredible. And the world is a much better place for you being here. So we thank him and you for sharing your story here today with us. And I'm sure you're going to go on to inspire people all over the world. And I'd just like to say a big cheerio again, to greg curry and his family up there in manitoba amazing people and um, greg's no relation of mine but he's a hell of a bloke and i feel like i'm uh, sort of related to him in a kindred spirit kind of way also folks uh, don't forget you can join the fasting highway facebook group uh, if you're looking for a bit of support or some inspiration There's over 5,000 people there now in the Fasting Highway Facebook group, and everyone's always happy to share and happy to support. We don't do mean in our community. Uh, We have a real community vibe uh, from people all over the world, all levels of fasters. So make sure you look us up on Facebook. That's the Fasting Highway Facebook group. And also, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you can get my book, The Fasting Highway, uh, on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle if you're interested in my journey. And give you an insight into how to start and get going with your journey. So anyway, until next week, folks, be well, be safe. And remember, clean fasting is
1: everlasting.